Hello! Welcome to Healing on Purpose, episode three. I'm your host, Shay Lisa Jackson, and I just want to thank you so much for listening. Today, I have an exciting episode for you. We're going to be hit with a lot of facts. So before we get into all of that, I want to say happy Disability Pride Month. July is the month of Disability Pride, and this is the first year that I honestly knew about it and would even be excited to be pride, (laughs) have pride around it. Um, But we're going to get into all of that. What is Disability Pride Month? How can you raise the voices of people who are disabled and all that good stuff? But before we get into that, I want to say if you're watching the YouTube version, you can find us on YouTube and watch the visual. Um, You will see my little dog. He's sitting on my bed. So say hi, Langston. Okay, he can't talk, but (laughs) also you guys really love when I do the ASMR of my drinks, so we're going to be doing that again. I have this really cute glass with some ice in it, and I waited for you guys to open this up. My mouth is a little dry, so here we go. Oops, I almost showed it. Yeah, and then I love the pour. Okay, hopefully you guys can hear that. I have a lot of new equipment that I'm working with. And honestly, when I was in college, I studied theater arts. And the hardest class for me was lighting and sound. I could not get a grip in that class. So I have new lights. Hopefully you can tell. And I also have a fancy microphone that I am using with an audio interface and this thing has some buttons on it that I don't fully understand what they do so hopefully the um, audio is really good for you guys Um, and as we go on we're just going to be upgrading so I'm excited let's get in to the episode so as I said in the beginning of this episode it is disability pride month which is in July because the Americans with Disabilities Act of 1990 was officially passed July 26, in 1990. This essentially is a civil rights law that prohibits discrimination based on disability, very similar to the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which if we know anything about that act, it didn't fully give rights to everyone and rights that needed to be instated. So um, we're going to go through a lot of those laws and just get some more education. I've been doing a lot of research this month just to make sure that I am a good advocate, the best that I can possibly be for my own community. Um, But I kind of want to go back a little bit and talk about disability pride and what that means to me. I admittedly had no idea that this was a month that we had. I was aware of like Disability Awareness Month where that's in May and we kind of just talk about our different disabilities and give them a spotlight. But to have pride about your disability, I think is a completely different thing that um, it's like two twins that are different, but they're, they come from the same egg. <laughs> I don't know how twins work. Um, But I didn't have a lot of pride when I first became disabled. 
I think living in the U.S. in particular, there is a lot of discrimination against disabilities and your it's ableism is so systemic that there's so many things. Oh my God, I didn't take a sip of my drink. I said I was so thirsty and then I just kept talking. But with um, disabilities, there's so many sectors, there's so many ways that you can be disabled and there's so many disabled people um, in the US, but it's systemic to not accommodate for people with disabilities, even though we make up something crazy like 20% of the population is disabled. And so to like not have disabilities kind of shown in media, TV and film, and if they are, it's like that is the focus of why they're on the show. Like no one else would be able to do that because they need to highlight this disability because it's a part of the character instead of someone who has a disability just being a human being in a TV show or on a commercial. Um, and so when you grow up with the mindset of people are different and when you go to school and people with disabilities are like in a different classroom, and I think I talked about this in the last episode, you get used to one, not saying, hey, I'm disabled because that puts you in a certain category that you may not want to be identified with. Um, and it others you in so many ways when in reality it shouldn't because 20% of the population is a lot of people. One in four people have some disability. And how is the world that we live in that we get to create and we get to say what we want and what we don't want? How are we not focusing on these issues? And so just in my own ableism that I've had to unlearn and I'm still learning so many things, there are moments where I think back and I wish that I would have known more and said things to my friends who said hurtful comments about people who were disabled, hurtful comments that I've said. Um, and so I would say that I've I've been getting accommodations from the ADA since uh, I was a sophomore in high school because I have ADHD. I process things slowly. And so I needed accommodations like extra time on tests and being able to take it in a separate room because I have testing anxiety. And so those accommodations were really hard to fight for. My, I had one teacher. She was my history teacher my senior year. And if you know what high school I went to, I honestly can't remember her name. I'm so out of sight, out of mind, which I recently found out was an ADHD symptom that you, it's a professional term, of course, but when you, uh, when someone is not in your face, you literally just don't, it's not that you don't remember them. It becomes harder for you to remember to like text them or to like maintain that relationship because they're not in your face. Um, but I have this one teacher, she was my history teacher, and she didn't want to give me any of my ADA accommodations because the law, like there's so many loopholes that you technically don't have to give the accommodation if you don't want to. And my teacher, who was my, was she my history teacher? And that's why she knew the loopholes. Ooh, I hope she's not teaching anymore, but she was terrible. 
I'm sure with COVID, she's probably not teaching because if she didn't want to give me simple accommodations, like letting me take it in a different room, uh, she definitely wasn't doing online learning. But I had this teacher and she fought my parents. We had to like go into like teacher conferences with the principal to make sure that I was getting my accommodations. And honestly, it's so far removed that I don't really remember what ended up happening, but I just remember that being a fight. And for something so small, like, well, I guess it's not really small. It affected my entire life. But something like that, imagine how deep the system is. And so um, it's just so ingrained in us. And I challenge us when we have ableistic thoughts and comments that we really challenge why do we think that and get to the root and do some serious unlearning and deconstructing to our thought processes. Um, And just in my own journey of being disabled and, and coming to a place where I can now be excited about Disability Pride Month, about being seen as a human being and being proud of my body the way that it is and and that I'm my body is able to kind of fight to be alive every single day and be proud of that there was a time where I wasn't I hid my disability as much as I could I wanted to seem quote-unquote normal I wanted um everyone to think that I was strong and resilient, that they had no idea that I was dealing with all of this. Like I took pride in that, in saying that, you know, I'm disabled, but I can do it better than you. And, and kind of this weird competition that I had with myself to prove that I was good enough when I've been good enough this whole time. Um, And it just makes me think to some really hard conversations that I had with some of my friends, it's kind of the equivalent. Of course, I'm a black woman, so I don't know. And I I look like a black woman, so I don't know what it is like to be white passing. But recently I've heard some stories on TikTok of people talking about being white passing, um, meaning they are black, but they could pass for white. And when they were younger and everyone on the bus, you know, would wait for the black people to leave. And then they would just have all the racial slurs and talk about black people in this very demeaning way or at work. And they would be like, oh, now that the black person's gone, and this is not funny, but when I'm nervous, I just laugh. Um, And so while I can't identify with that because I'm clearly black and people aren't going to have those conversations in front of me, it was a similar thing in being disabled. I don't look like how we've been told in society a disabled person looks. So, I mean, the handicap sticker is someone in a wheelchair. So a lot of people identify with being handicapped or disabled as needing a wheelchair or needing a walking stick or needing some type of mobility aid as a symbol of this person is disabled and therefore I need to treat them like X, Y, and Z because you always treat disabled people different. Um, And so I remember sitting at brunches and in um, Bible studies and prayer groups talking about, you know, a lot of times the conversations were about who they wanted to marry and who they wanted to be with and people they would never be with. And it would always pain my heart when people would 
speak up and say they would never date someone who had some crazy illness or um, was like disabled in any capacity. They wanted a, a healthy person. They didn't want to deal with all of that. Like they were not actually down with like in sickness and in health in reality because if they got married and then their partner got sick that next day, I don't know what would happen to that marriage. And there's a lot of marriages that are like that. The moment that someone gets sick or becomes disabled, a lot of times they don't last. And so hearing my friends that I had shared a lot with, but they didn't know that I was disabled, have these conversations so openly because they you know, thought that no one would be affected in the room to that capacity. And I just remember this one time I was sitting at Bible study and it was kind of like the after where we finished, you know, the Bible study and now it's time for the gossip sesh, which like, why were we gossiping after Bible study? (laughs) But that was the best tea. And so um, we were kind of sitting all around talking about like who we would date, blah, blah, blah. And someone randomly asked this girl, like, because she was talking about how she would never date someone with a disability. And um, they asked her, would you date someone with a brain tumor? And she said, absolutely not. I would never do that. Why would I do that to myself? And I was sitting right next to her. And (laughs) there were a few people in the room who knew that I had a brain tumor. And um, it, it, it wasn't even, I'm not a confrontational person. Well, I am now, but back then I wasn't. And so I kind of felt this like pressure because people knew that I had a disability. And actually, I believe that the person who asked the question knew and wanted to see what she would say and kind of start some drama. Um, I'm not friends with any of these people, but I think that that uh, that definitely taught me a lot about who they were. But I, after she went on for like, three minutes like (laughs) I would never and I saw Grey's Anatomy and I would never do that and other people saying well my cousin has a brain tumor and she got married and good for her I would never do that like very hard things and I was just sitting there like wow this is someone that is my friend and has no idea that I have this and the moment that I say you know I have a brain tumor right it almost makes me feel like that shouldn't be why you care. And that shouldn't be why you go, oh my God, like, I don't mean you. <laughs> it's it's just like, oh, so I did say, I did turn to her and say, you know, I have a brain tumor, right? Which I knew that she didn't. And it was like a slap in her face. And I can still see the look on her face of shock and horror that she had said something so mean about the person sitting right next to her. Um, And just, I mean, this girl went in for three minutes. Some of the things she said was so triggering and so mean. And um, I just hope that that conversation sticks with her and made her think about disabilities in a different way and that there's all different looks and types of disabilities. And 
people are human. They're human beings. It shouldn't be a, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk to this group of people because I have an idea of what they're like. So I remember just having that conversation with her and kind of not wanting to give her any more details because I'm like, you feel a certain way. I didn't feel like that was a teaching moment that I needed to have with her, even though it was like really hurtful. And um, I mean, just being friends with people who worked in the school system and being pissed that they had to give ADA accommodations and that it took away from, you know, whatever else they needed to be doing, which rightfully so, I do understand that teachers don't get a lot of space and room to do the things that they really want to do to help their students. But to hear some of my friends who are teachers and counselors complain about giving ADA accommodations, which are so freaking important to people with disabilities, it just... It grinds my gears and it makes me want to cry because I was that little girl who needed so much help and was like falling behind in school. And to the point where like, I probably had my chronic illness longer than I ever thought I did. So my struggle with getting to class on time and not being able to walk fast, like all of those things and being dizzy and not realizing that that's not a normal thing everyone around me is feeling And to then grow up and be surrounded with people who are doing the same things to kids that teachers did to me, it it was really hard to, like, be in that type of environment. And I'm glad that um, before I ended my relationships with them, I did speak up and say, hey, if someone needs an accommodation, you give it to them. If someone... um, if you're dating someone and they get sick, like maybe don't stop dating them because they're sick. Maybe see if you can be a friend to them. Um, So while there were moments in my life where I didn't have the voice or the language to speak up for myself, I am really glad that now I do have that strength in me and I'm proud of my disability and there's nothing that I want to conceal or hide to be seen as strong or resilient compared to an able-bodied person because I'm just simply not able-bodied and that is okay and I'm okay with that. Um, And I'm better than you. (laughs) Truly. Okay, so I didn't expect to tear up, but I really am proud to be disabled and this month means a lot to me. It's the first time I've ever recognize that this was a month that we celebrate our disabilities. And I think that when you go through life every single day in pain and having to do gymnastics in your mind of how you're going to get one simple task done when you're in a flare up, that is something that I'm extremely proud of. The things that I've accomplished with my disability it's like insane when I look at everything because I think if you would have told me at 16, hey, you know, later on in your life, you're going to have a disability for the rest of your life. Um, that 16-year-old wouldn't have been able to see the potential that this disability gave me to like move through life in a different way. And so 
I know that it's corny for a lot of people, but I really believe that my disability is like my superpower. It's the thing that makes me so empathic that I can connect with people because I understand real pain. I understand pain that no one can see. Um, I understand not being bullied by doctors and teachers and authority figures. I understand um, feeling very isolated and alone, having friendships that you've nurtured and cared for. And then the moment that you can't go to brunches, lunches, and dinners, they fall apart because you're not doing the thing that you did for those friendships anymore. Whether it's depression or anxiety or learning disabilities or my brain tumor, I'm glad that I am a whole person who can understand and empathize with a lot of people in this world. 20% is a lot. One in four is a lot. And I'm glad that I get to be a part of this community and that there is a community and I'm very proud and I'm crying. So I'm going to take a sip. <laughs> so recently, um, the Supplemental Security Income Restor Restoration Act of 2020 was reintroduced in June to the House and the Senate. So this is a really big deal because the SSI Act hasn't been updated since 1972. So this is the act that basically gives benefits to people who are disabled and need supplementary income to help them survive. But if this hasn't been updated since 1972, you have to know that these numbers and figures do not equate to the world we're living in in 2001. So here are just some brief little facts on the SSI Act. Um, you, the most money that you can get from this act as a single person, the most, the highest you can get is $794 a month. And if you're a couple, the most you can get is $1,191. Now, I made an emphasis on the most because no one really gets the most amount. The average amount that people get is $587 a month. Now, this money is supposed to help with food, housing, out-of-pocket medical expenses. So if you think $587 is doing anything to help anyone, you've lost your mind. I mean, of course it's helping, but it's not doing what it's supposed to be doing. Um, because I don't know if you know this, but as a disabled person receiving these benefits, you're not allowed to have more than $2,000 in assets. In assets. That's not even like like, you literally cannot make more money. You can't save money. You can't make additional money. If your homeboy is, like, paying you to do something and the government finds out, they will take your benefits. If you're making more just from a job, they will take your benefits. So, essentially, with this act, disabled people are forced to live in poverty because the accommodations, quote-unquote, force you to live in poverty. And so what exactly is in this SSI restorative 
acts? Well, I did all the Googling and I'm going to tell you. The SSI rate will be at least 100% of the poverty level. Currently, it is well below with that 587 as an average rate that people get per month. Insane. Um, the marriage penalty will be eliminated, granting full benefit rate if you are married. Because if you get married, they deduct so much money, which like, hello, I'm married. That doesn't help me. There's more freaking bills to pay. Um, and you can then, it'll up your savings to 10K if you're single and 20K depending on your marital status. Um, I have thoughts about that, but it's better than the $2,000 in assets total that you're allowed and permitted to have. Um, no penalties on household members, increased work allowances, um, because you can only make a certain amount of money and you can only really work part-time. And that includes like freelancing, any money coming into your bank account, they are watching and they are not nice about it. Um, and it excludes retirements to allow disabled people to build their savings, which I think is really important. It has a lot of other things, but those are the really big things that um, the disability community is really pushing for. And one thing that I just, as a disabled woman and as a black woman, when I go into really, because I think for me, being a black woman, I'm black. You can see it. So the discrimination that I get, it's based off of what you see. And because my disabilities are invisible, quote unquote, I don't necessarily get the discrimination from being disabled um, in a like way of being bullied or openly marginalized. It's in the accommodations that I need or people not believing that I'm disabled. And so I do have a privilege in that where I'm um, abled passing, but it's not something that I can look away from when it comes to my race. Oops. <laughs> it's not something that I can look away from when it comes to my blackness. So in my research of making sure that I really told these stories well, um, I found a story of a woman who is a disability activist named Deborah Danner. And this story was recently posted on the ACLU's Instagram account for the Disability Pride Month and making the connection that disability justice is racial justice. And as a Black disabled woman, I agree with that immensely. And this was a statement that kind of made the thoughts that I was having in my head, it put language to what I was thinking. Um, because for me, I'm a black woman and you can see that when you look at me. However, because my chronic illnesses and my disabilities are not visible to people, I am able-bodied passing. And so that is just, I've always heard of white passing or whatever the race is passing, but to be able body passing is a strange privilege to have in this world. Um, if you listen to my other episode about being in LAX and people kind of not giving me my accommodations for whatever reason they had in their head, but only what I can assume is because they didn't feel like I needed them and I was wasting their time because I had forgotten my mobility aid, which was what I'd been using as my 
signature sign of, hey, I'm disabled. I need these accommodations and you should give them to me instead of people just giving me the accommodations based on me requiring requesting them um, and that it should just be the end of that. So to be able by passing is, is something that I just never thought about until I was in my research and realized um, that disability intersects with all identities and structure forms of marginalizations, including racism and gender bias, which is the statement that I just read. And not my own words, because I don't use words like that, but in my day-to-day life, it really does. It doesn't, disability doesn't care what you look like if you're tall or short or whatever you identify as, it will be in all identities. And I think that that is, it's kind of something special. And I, I think I still need more time to kind of talk about what it means to be equal and inclusive when you really attack disability rights because disability justice is racial justice and all of the things that we fight for can be stemmed back to someone being disabled in that marginalized community. So I was on the ACLU's Instagram account today and I came across this story of Deborah Danner and I just want to read a little bit about what they wrote because her story was super inspiring and I think that um, it really showcases how disability justice and racial justice are hand in hand. So Deborah Danner is an activist, an advocate for using mental health professionals in the place of law enforcement to prevent abuse and death of people with disabilities. In an essay she wrote in 2012 titled Living with Schizophrenia, Danny detailed her experiences living with mental illness. She gave insight into the struggles she and others face and the aspects of society which inhabit people living with disabilities from living a safe and comfortable life. Among these aspects was the potential for harm that law enforcement have when encountering someone with disabilities. Deborah, who herself has schizophrenia, was shot and killed by the NYPD in her home in 2015. It's a shocking story, and a very necessary one to realize that the very thing you're fighting for other people to have, you'll probably never get to see. Um, Because she was fighting for this well before the conversations of defund the police and abolish the police really came into the centerfold of conversation, which I think had a big uprising in 2020. And to see that she was advocating for this as a person with schizophrenia and in the disabled community, this is something that has been um, advocated for for very long. And so I pray that as we 
continue in this world that we get to create, that we create safe and comfortable spaces for people of all kinds, of all identities, um, to be able to feel safe in this world, whether you believe we should get rid of law enforcement or not. Um, her work was not done in vain, and I was very blessed to be able to read her story and see um, kind of where the mind shift is happening in the world today. So Deborah Danner, we're saying your name and we're grateful for your work that you did for the disability community, for the black community and for this world. I know that was really hard to hear, maybe for a few people, if you didn't know the story of Danny, Deborah Danner. That is a dope name, by the way. <laughs> um, but I think that it is very important to kind of bring everything to a real moment of disability rights. will affect every single person at some point in their lives. Whether you're the person who become disabled or you're caring for a loved one who is, it's important that we really understand how systemic these issues are. Um, and so with that, I have a call to action. Um, there's currently a petition for the SSI Restorative Act of 2021, and you can find that petition if you text P as in Paul, S as in Sam, L as in Lemon, O as in Oxygen, A as in Atticus, and E as in Excitement to 50. Four zero, you will get the information to sign the petition. You can also call and email your Congress reps. So I will leave all of that information. If you're viewing on YouTube, you can see it down below. Um, and if you're listening to the podcast, you can see it in the show notes. It'll also be on our Instagram page, Chronically Good, on our link in bio. So make sure you are calling your reps. There are so many options. You can text them. You can call them. There are scripts where you just edit it with your name in and email it to them and make sure you sign the petition. This is really important that this work is done um, and that people who are getting SSI accommodations are able to live a life with these benefits um, and they're, they're actually helping them, which is what it's meant for. Um, so happy Disability Pride Month. Um, and thank you to everybody who has lost their lives to unjustly violence. Um, at the hands of the police and our justice system in all capacities, conservatorships, um, all of it. And so 
With that being said, don't forget to sign the petition. All of the information is down below. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. This one was really important to me. And I hope that you guys will subscribe and follow and also share with people so that they know a lot of this information because it's not widely spread. Make sure you follow us on Instagram and I love you guys so much. Thank you for listening. Have an amazing rest of your week. And don't forget, if you're listening on Sunday, tomorrow is the day that the ADA Act was passed and I will be celebrating its 31st birthday. So yeah, have a great day. Bye. Information including but not limited to text, graphics, images, and other materials contained in this podcast are for informational purposes only. Nothing said or written in this podcast are intended to be substitutes for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare providers with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you read or heard on this podcast. Enjoy!